This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. Happy birthday to you. Hey, where's mom going? She hasn't even opened her presents. Well, son, she just turned 65, which means there's new offers for her at Specsavers. What? Yep, an eye exam now costs her nothing, and she can get 30% off lens upgrades with any pair of glasses. Wow. So, can we cut the cake now? You betcha. No-cost eye exams are for eligible seniors at all participating locations with costs covered by provincial health care. Conditions apply. See specsavers.ca. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Now... Fight back with Libby Snymer on Zoomer Radio with guest host Jane Brown. Great to have you along on this Easter Monday. Libby is on vacation. She returns later in the week. You've been listening to the news. You've heard the harrowing stories from survivors of the aftermath. Six near simultaneous terror attacks in the Sri Lankan capital of Colombo on Easter Sunday. Three of the attacks in churches, three in high-end hotels, all suicide bombers. What has led to this kind of terror? Who did it? And why? To help us understand and digest this disturbing news, we turn to Phil Gursky, President and CEO of Borealis Threat and Risk Consultants, former strategic analyst at CSIS, and specialist in radicalization and homegrown violent Islamist extremism. So as you can see, he's well qualified to discuss this with us and fill us in on a place that we never really give a second thought to, Sri Lanka. Phil, thanks for joining us. My pleasure, Jane. We're starting to learn more about the suspects, said to be all Sri Lankan citizens, but there is a suspicion from government ministers who have spoken openly about it today that they are suspecting foreign links. Would ISIS have anything to do with this? It's really too early to tell. Um, The group that the Sri Lankan government has named as they think responsible for the attack has never done anything on this scale before. The last thing that, that I wasn't aware of the group before, I, I read it in news reports on the weekend, the worst thing they had done was vandalize some Buddhist statues. So how you move from vandals, uh, vandal, you know, vandaling, uh, vandalizing statues to carrying out eight nearly simultaneous suicide bomb attacks, it's, it's, that's beyond me. So it, it certainly is a possibility, but to actually say it's Islamic State, uh, that's far too early. Uh, Islamic State hasn't claimed the attack. Right, and usually uh, they, they do, though, right? Well, they do, because if you're a terrorist group, you want to claim, or you want to say, hey, we're here, uh, we're still here, and we're still able to hit you, or we're still able to hurt you. So the fact that, you know, 36 hours later, we have no claim is a little bit puzzling to me. And this domestic terror group you reference, National Thofik Jamath, is that how they're referred to? Yeah, but and the name basically just it sounds really like a Tamil version of an Arabic name. And it's, okay. it's, it's, the, the word Tawheed means unity or oneness, and a lot of terrorist groups put it in their name. So it's clearly is possibly a group, but as I said, I, I know of no attack that they've carried out at all, let alone what happened yesterday across Sri Lanka, both on the west and east coast, and eight different targets, churches, hotels. Certainly strikes me as being beyond this particular group's capability, but 
then again, in terrors will never say never. Right. And they could be so members of this domestic group if, if what we're learning so far is that the suspects are Sri Lankan citizens, uh, the people who died with the suicide bombing equipment on them, they could perhaps, and I realize it's all speculation, but they could be part of this national group perhaps brought into an international fold of, of an ISIS or some other organization. They certainly could. Um, you know, you mentioned on the outset, Jane, that, you know, Sri Lanka is not the kind of country that you and I normally have these conversations about. You know, 30 years ago, when we talked about terrorism, we did talk about Sri Lanka, but that was the Tamil Tigers. Mm-hmm. That was a, an ethnic group that was trying to carve out a homeland for their minority in the northern part of the country. You don't tend to associate Islamist extremism with Sri Lanka. Interestingly, though, and this is uh, something I talk about in a book that I'm publishing this fall, there's actually Buddhist extremism in Sri Lanka, largely against the, con- the country's Muslim population, but also against Christians. So let's, I'm not trying to say that they're behind it, but let's not forget that there are all kinds of actors in Sri Lanka, and we're going to have to wait and see if we ever find out exactly who's behind this. So it's an island, Sri Lanka, in South Asia. Um, What we do know, if we look back at recent history, is that a civil war ended there a decade ago. Can you kind of fill us in on what's been going on in Sri Lanka since then, in terms of infighting various factions? Uh, You mentioned the Tamil Tigers. Uh, They were pretty much crushed by the government in 2009. So they are likely there's not a resurgence of them yeah, I don't think so. I mean, I'm certainly not a Sri Lanka expert, but there has been a lot of infighting within the government. There's been a lot of uh, sort of machinations and, and things going back and forth between the president and the, and, the, and the head of parliament and the prime minister. So it's, it's a very unstable political situation in the country. It'd be interesting to see what this attack does to the political stability of, the, of Sri Lanka. But you're right, the Tamil Tigers, um, the, the, the Tigers or the, the Tamil grievances haven't gone away. The Sinhalese are still a majority in Sri Lanka. The Tamils don't have their homeland. So, yes, it's true that the civil war has been over for a decade now, but I'd be very surprised if there weren't some people in Sri Lanka that still harbor desires to carve out that independent homeland for the Tamil minority. But um, an Islamist extremist attack in, in Sri Lanka, that would not have been on top of my list. And I, I follow this stuff very closely, despite the fact I'm supposed to be retired. <laughs> and I don't think Sri Lanka would have been anywhere in my top ten in terms of possible venues for an attack. And, let, and let's remember, this is one of the largest attacks in history. And certainly the largest in Sri Lankan history, to the best of my knowledge. Yes, the island has no history of Muslim terrorists, extremists, terrorists that have uh, you know, that are taking uh, the Muslim religion and and using it obviously for the most evil purposes. That that really is not happening in Sri Lanka. I have never seen any reference to a group in Sri Lanka, and in fact, I've, re- I've rarely seen any reference to Sri-, Sri Lanka by other real groups like Islamic State or Al Qaeda. You know, Jane, what happens is that these groups will call out violence against Muslims as a, as a rationale for retribution. You certainly saw in the wake of Christchurch a month ago that yeah. Islamic State called for revenge against the Muslim victims by some that far-right terrorists in, in New Zealand. But I've, I'm not aware of any indigenous Islamist extremist group in Sri Lanka. The, the government is claiming this one group is out there. Again, I'd not heard of them before yesterday, but they certainly weren't... Uh, 
in the top 10 of uh, lethality, as far as I can tell. You're listening to Zoomer Radio's Fight Back. Jane for Libby and terrorism expert Phil Gursky here with us uh, till about quarter past the hour. And then we will change topics. But we brought Phil on not so much to have you call in and comment, but just to educate us as Canadians on the other side of the world about what is going on with global terrorism that feels like it's starting to affect more and more of us around the world, even though it's happening in places where uh, many of us have never been and maybe will never be. Uh, We're being told by Global Affairs, Phil, that Canadians over there should exercise extreme caution. Would it be would it be safe to say that Sri Lanka is not the place you should be looking up on Expedia to go travel to right now? Well, yes and no. Something similar happened. If you recall back in 2015, Jane, there was a massive series of attacks in Paris and France. And then the government said, don't travel to France. And I said, well, actually, France is kind of the safest country on the planet the day after the Bataclan theater attacks, right? Because there's a gazillion police in the streets, etc. I think this is almost like the cat's out of the bag. You know, the horse has left the barn. I can't give any more metaphors here. I mean, it's kind of a, an easy thing for global affairs to say. And Maybe there's other information to which I, neither you nor I have access that mm-hmm. suggests there's a, something else going on out there. But, you know, look, at terrorism can happen anywhere. It's happened here in Canada. It, uh, it happens obviously very frequently in Afghanistan, Somalia, Nigeria, Pakistan, etc. And it can happen in Sri Lanka. So as citizens, are we going to stop going to places where terrorism is possible? And then, then don't leave your basement. I don't mean to be dismissive of this. But uh, terrorism is not limited to so certain countries in the world. There's groups everywhere. We're seeing far-right groups now, and even here in Canada, who are capable of carrying on acts of violence. So I, I don't think we can decide that, well, only certain countries are going to be the ones to, to avoid, because on any given day, anything can happen. But here, and here's the, the important part that your listeners have to realize. It can happen anywhere on any given day, but it probably won't. You shouldn't dictate your lifestyle based on what can happen as opposed to what will happen. And what about uh, trends in in the way that global terrorists are thinking? I mean, most notably would be 2001, the World Trade Towers. Mm-hmm. Uh, now it seems like places of worship are becoming the chosen locations to attack. Well, and for the simple reason that they're easy targets. You don't tend to have a large armed presence outside a church. Whereas, you know, a military base or a police station or, you know, a major uh, city core might have an increased security presence, be it law enforcement or the military or whatever, you're not going to have that in a church or in a ho- hotel necessarily. I've been to Sri Lanka uh, recently, and I didn't see an overt security presence. That's obviously changed as of today in Sri Lanka. But how long can you keep that up for? There's only so many resources. So terrorists realize that, and they're going to attack places that are easy to attack. And we know that. From the propaganda of groups like Al-Qaeda and Islamic State, they do, uh, they do encourage their followers to, to take out easy uh, targets. You know, you, you don't need to be a rocket scientist. You can drive a van into a, a plaza. Yeah. You can take a knife out and start stabbing people. We've seen attacks like that around the world uh, following that advice, Jane. So is it a trend? Well, it's getting harder to carry. I, I don't think you'll ever see a 9-11 on that scale ever again. I've never seen ever, obviously, but it's going to be really hard. Whereas, you know, a person with a machete or a person with a screwdriver, a person in a van, as we saw in Toronto a year ago, down Young Street, those types of things, are any idiot can do them. Yeah, a year and, ago tomorrow. Out there. Mm-hmm. The anniversary is so, tomorrow, right? Exactly. And we, yeah. and we still don't know what that attack was in, 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 on Young Street was about. What was his motivation? We have some allegations, but 
I see nothing definitive as to why that man did what he did. So was it terrorism? Was it hate? Was it something else? I don't know. And maybe we'll find out during the trial. But the point is, is that you don't have to be able to, to fly planes in the buildings anymore. All you have to do is get behind a truck or walk down the street with a, with a, with a butcher knife and start you know, lunging at people. That's what terrorism has become. And we know that terrorism is born in a lot of cases out of lack of education and poverty. Uh, people are easily brainwashed into being promised all kinds of things if they give up their lives in the name of something, uh, perhaps who they worship. So you said you've been in Sri Lanka. Is there a lot of poverty there? or How did the people live there? It, well, it is a fairly poor country, but I'm going to push back a little bit, Jane. Actually, research has shown that it's not just the poor and the uneducated people that do this. We, certainly here in Canada, the vast majority of people that we that I dealt with when I was at CSIS were, in fact, you know, university educated, and, and, and many of them had families. So we've got to be careful at, try, at trying to profile these people. Okay. These people who do this, some of them certainly are, are mentally feeble. We've seen cases like that, especially in the Palestinian territories. But in a lot of cases, it's people that just simply are convinced that there's a cause and are convinced that their cause is just, sometimes the cause is divine, and that they've been chosen to carry it out. And so for them, it's kind of a, it's almost like a mission, if you will, or it's sort of, you know, this is my lot in life. So we've got to be careful about trying to try to pinpoint this to a, a subsection of the population. The, the ones in Sri Lanka, I don't know who they are. And, you know, I, I understand from what I did read that some of the arrests have been made and some are released. So does that mean they caught the wrong people? Mm-hmm. Or did they, you know, you know to, to quote uh, Casablanca, round up the usual suspects. Is that what that was? Uh, yes, I have no idea. But we're going to have to learn more about who these people were, um, what support, if any, they got what their own particular pathway was. Because one thing we do know, Jane, about radicalization of violence is that it's, a, it's a very personal. Every person has a different story, a different pathway. So we're going to have to learn a lot more information before we draw a conclusion. And before I let you go, Phil, uh, apparently there were warning signs. Two government ministers have alluded to intelligence failures. Is that simply because they don't have the capacity in a country like Sri Lanka to be able to detect? Or it, was it just dismissive in terms of dismissing signs and symptoms? Really hard to say. And as an ex-thesis guy, I'm going to push back on intelligence failure. Um, you know, intelligence doesn't come wrapped up with a bow. It doesn't say, you know, on, on April the 1st, Phil Gersey's going to walk down the street at this time with this we don't get that kind of granularity most of the time it may have been a generic warning and if it's a generic warning you're left with well where do you put your people where do you put your law enforcement officers where do you put your armed response teams yeah i wish that intelligence worked as it as it does in hollywood uh, every time i watch a movie about jason Bourne, i cringe because of how inaccurate it is <laughs> based on my experience working that's for good to know okay <laughs> <laughs> so you know it, 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 look at jane it may have been a failure the sri lankans will look into this did they did they ignore information um, did they not believe it? Was the source not deemed to be credible? Or was it simply too vague and generic to actually act upon? And, and hopefully we'll learn those answers if the, if the Sri Lankan government releases them. Very good. That was uh, informative. Thank you so much, Phil. Thank you, Jane. Phil Gursky, President, CEO of Borealis Threat and Risk Consultants, former strategic analyst at CSIS and specialist in radicalization and homegrown violent Islamist extremist extremism. Happy birthday to you. Hey, Bye. where's mom going? She hasn't even opened her presents. Well, son, she just turned 65, which means there's new offers for her at Specsavers. What? Yep, an eye exam now costs her nothing, and she can get 30% off lens upgrades with any pair of glasses. Wow. So, can we cut the cake now? You betcha. No-cost eye exams are for eligible seniors at all participating locations with costs covered by provincial health care. Conditions apply. See specsavers.ca.
You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.